Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. We just form a fucking wall. O'Neal deep on the post, lots of contact there. Oh, what a block by Wallace! What wow. a jump ball! Sixteen down, four, 12 8, 7 38 to play the first one. First from Rodney, stuck into the rim! Countdown, baby, and a foul! Reggie inside for Andre, and a dynamite dunk! Pistons fans, hello and welcome to yet another edition. It's episode 97 of the Palace of Pistons podcast. Brendan Johnson, Aaron Johnson, Ryan Pate, the trio is back this week together. And we're here talking Pistons basketball. And maybe the actual basketball part's not that exciting. But all of these surrounding news, storylines, it's like that's what keeps us interested. It's like a fan mode. It's like a fan GM mode. That's what this podcast is going to be like, because we aren't really talking about the the caliber of play on the court. We're talking about everything surrounding the team. So lock in. It's going to be a good one here this week. And boys, it's real nice to have the trio back together. How are we doing? Everybody good this week? Doing great. I mean, a busy week, you know, full of Pistons news. Been cranking all that out on the website throughout the week. Um, so, you know, if you're looking for... Some updated information on everything that's going on. Obviously, we're going to get into all the big stuff on the podcast here today. But, you know, we if you head over to palaceofbusiness.com, you're going to see, a, a, first off, a much better-looking website. Uh, myself and especially Tim Forkin uh, spent some time doing a little bit of redesign and some updating to the website. Obviously, you see a, a new Palace of Pistons logo. But what you'll also see is all of the recent news and reports uh, surrounding the Detroit Pistons, whether it be Andre Drummond, Luke Kennard, Langston Galloway, Derek Rose, the Fred Van Fleet stuff, like all of it's there for you to read up on and catch up on. Yeah, no doubt about that. And well, Ryan, good to see you this week. Yeah, great to see you. Great plug, Aaron. It's a great plug. Hey, gotta do gotta do my job. <clears throat> but yeah, it's good to be good to be here, fellas. Let's uh let's dive into it because there's some stuff going on. Well, let's do just a quick check in on your Detroit Pistons. They're 14 and 26 overall. They've uh, lost seven of their last ten games. They currently sit in 11th place of the Eastern Conference. And last week on the podcast, we really were able to break down the Andre Drummond trade rumors. We were able to talk about the beginning of Sekou entering the starting lineup and playing real meaningful minutes for the Pistons, which was exciting stuff. We got a little bit into Blake Griffin and what direction he should go as well. Blake did end up going through surgery, so his timetable for returns just kind of indefinite right now. Uh, my guess is he will not play again this year, but we'll have to kind of wait and see on that front. Um, no trades happened in the last week, but rumors continued to circulate with the Celtics, the Knicks, the Hawks, the Cavaliers, the Mavericks, and the Raptors all being linked to a potential deal surrounding Andre Drummond. And, you know, it, it's... It's something, again, we mentioned it last week, and the Hawks were kind of the lead team in this front, but now some other teams, maybe the Knicks, really getting themselves kind of into that realm of conversation as well. An interesting point that did come out this week, and Palace of Pistons did share this report. Um, Drummond requested a max contract in the offseason, and... The Pistons did not match that max contract. They actually offered significantly less. This was reported by Vince Ellis of the Detroit Free Press. So an interesting note there for Andre Drummond, who several teams have shown interest in, and Detroit 
maybe not going to be willing to give him that max contract, which makes a trade a little more likely here at the deadline. Yeah, I think it, it makes all the sense in the world for the Pistons to be weary of giving him a max contract deal. I mean, you're talking about a contract that would pay Drummond over $30 million per season uh, and would be paying him into his 30s. Uh, and that just doesn't make sense for the Detroit Pistons based on their current trajectory, based on their current performance on the court, um, and then based on where they need to be heading as a franchise. Uh, you know, we've kind of talked about a lot of these points surrounding Drummond. It, it's just, you know, he's a, he's a good player. He's a two-time All-Star. He's made the All-NBA team. He's the league's best rebounder. He does a lot of good things, but the Pistons need to be focusing on the future. They need to be turning the corner, starting a new leaf, rebuilding. And it's hard to envision a rebuild that includes Andre Drummond. And it's hard to start a rebuild when you still have Blake Griffin under contract and he's making over $30 million. And then if you re-sign Andre Drummond and he's making over $30 million, one, one, those are two players that are win-now style players You know that you put on the court when, and you're trying to win that would take away minutes from you know, your potential four of the future in Sekou Dumboya, uh, a potential five, maybe he's, you know, maybe he, he, he his ceiling is as a backup center, but Christian Wood has looked good in an extended minutes, so, you know, you want to play him as much as you can, and, and whoever you draft, they could be a four or five, whatever, it doesn't matter. Uh, but having those two players on the roster and paying them a large chunk of your money doesn't really indicate that you're interested in rebuilding and making the necessary steps to rebuild because you're going to have guys that you're going to have to pay down the line. Luke Kennard, uh, Bruce Brown, you know, all these guys that are part of your core right now, you're going to need to have money uh, to put into and you're not going to want to go into the luxury tax if you're a team trying to rebuild and you still have Drummond and Griffin to pay those type of players. So, it just doesn't make sense for the Pistons and Drummond to re-up on a contract unless Drummond's taking a rather significant pay decrease, probably around $20 million per year is kind of where I would top out on offering Drummond a contract extension, maybe $22. Um, but it just would not make sense for the Pistons to give Drummond a max contract. Uh, and I'm glad that the front office is taking the right steps in, in this situation of not extending him in the offseason and not meeting those uh, requests. Ed Stefanski and his team have given me every reason to trust them, and this is just another one of those reasons. As you stated, Aaron, this is a team that is clearly taking the turn toward rebuild mode. Throwing $30 million at a guy like Andre Drummond, who is a win-now player, does not suggest you are in rebuild mode. Stefanski and his team do not want to muck up the cap. They want the room. They want the flexibility. Throwing thirty plus million at Andre Drummond while having Blake for thirty plus million does not give you the flexibility they are looking for. So I am all aboard with this, and it, it, it gives me confidence once again in the front office that they are making the right moves, and that is the move into the look into the future. Mm-hmm. No doubt about that. Well, the big trade, I guess or I should say rather, the team that really increased in terms of trades being centered around with Andre Drummond is the New York Knicks. And some significant interest was shown and reports are coming out that the Knicks are close to acquiring Andre Drummond. Um, and I think it was surrounding Julius Randle and Frank Nicolina uh, as the report came from Vince Ellis. And and I, I just don't know how I feel about that trade 
centering those two guys in the move for Andre Drummond. Aaron, how do you feel about that one? Yeah, first off, you know, there were some false reports going out there that, you know, a deal was imminent and a deal was coming to a close, but, uh, you know, those were from some, some fake accounts, so I know there were some people that were regurgitating that information, but right now, from what we know, uh, you know, Vincent Ellis reported that the Pistons had actually were the teams that reached out to the Knicks, and the Knicks responded, and, you know, a package that the Pistons put out there was Julius Randle and Frank Nicolina, uh, and Detroit would be sending back Andre Drummond another player. Don't know if there were any other details uh, regarding that trade, but we also got a report from Ian Begley of uh, SNY.com sta- saying that the Pistons are intrigued by Dennis Smith Jr., another point guard on the Knicks, and a player that the Pistons were linked to last season at the trade deadline, back when he was still on the Dallas Mavericks, so uh, you know, there's some stuff there, I think, even though, for me personally, a return involving Julius Randle doesn't make sense for all the same reasons that I talked about. Three years under contract, correct? Yeah. Yeah. What are yeah. we? What are you doing? And I'm Why pretty sure he's 25 years old. It just wouldn't make sense. I mean, he plays. He's a he's a four that could play the five, I guess. But again, it's just not necessary to bring a guy like that in. If I'm the Pistons, I'm looking for matching salary, expiring contracts, not someone that's under contract, is 25 years old. I mean, yes, that's still young, but it's only a year younger than Drummond. And a guy that just doesn't really fit your system, you know, what you're trying to do in a rebuild, and he doesn't fit today's NBA the best. He doesn't space the floor. He's not a great defender. The Pistons should not be looking to acquire someone like that. All the other reports that have come out say that the Pistons have been looking to get expiring salary. So this one is a little bit, uh, you know, conspicuous in the sense that it doesn't really add up to, to what we've heard about Detroit so far uh, in the trade market for Drummond. So definitely not a fan of going after uh, Julius Randle. But, you know, getting back a, a Frank Nicolina, getting back a Dennis Smith Jr., that's the basis of at least something of get, something of return for Drummond. I don't think that's a, a necessarily fair return, but you can start to stockpile some assets, take a couple uh, chances uh, and some flyers on some young guys that haven't hit yet in their career, but you know maybe Dennis Smith Jr. just needs to be in the right environment and you know it didn't work out fully in Dallas. He definitely showed some flashes in Dallas. He has not looked good in New York. Playing in New York's always tough. Not every player is built for that. Maybe, you know, a, a move somewhere, to, uh, you know, a place with less expectations would help him. Nick Kalina is a guy that he's a really good defensive guard, you know, at 6'6", can play the one and the two. You could even play the three if you like to run three-guard systems, which Dwayne Casey does like to do. Um, and he's a guy that you can work with. You know, he's still young. So, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't feel comfortable with the Pistons tra- making a trade. You know, let's say they got Dennis Smith Jr., Frank Nicolina, and Julius Randle for Andre Drummond. I don't think I'd be comfortable with that trade because Randle is not a guy that is built for a rebuild like like the Pistons want to do. Um, but again, I, nothing is imminent on that front. But the, the discussions have been had. And for the Knicks, it just doesn't make sense really to trade for Drummond when you have Mitchell Robinson on the roster. And, you know, not that Mitchell Robinson is this great player like some are making him out to be. Some of the reaction I've seen about Mitchell Robinson is that he's just this phenomenal player, but he's a, he's a good prospect that plays the center position and does a lot of the things that Andre Drummond does. And, and hopefully Robinson can get to, uh, you know, a point with his with himself that he's as good at those things that Drummond does. But 
you know, for for the for New York, it wouldn't make sense to do that unless they're moving on from Robinson, which would be hard to do. If that deal with New York is the best the Pistons can do for Andre Drummond, that doesn't inspire confidence. Like you said, Julius Randle does not fit the bill of what Detroit's trying to do. And if that is the deal that is pulled off, all my confidence in the front office will be shattered. Am I wrong for thinking that way? No, not at all. I mean, at that point, <clears throat> I mean, might as well just hold on to drama. Yeah, at that point, you hold on, you ride it out, see what happens. I, I can't, I can't justify going and getting Julius Randle. Right. When you're trying, when you're aiming for a rebuild, you're aiming for cap flexibility. You don't want longer term deals. What are you going to get Julius Randle? He's he's a power forward that likes to isolate, shoot in the mid-range, doesn't space the floor, and he's shooting 45% from the floor. When you don't need power forwards and the fact that you have Blake, I guess, I mean, he's not being moved this year, obviously, and he's going to be starting the year next year here. You've got Sekou. That's who this whole thing is built around, essentially, is your future star in Sekou. That's what you're hoping for. And he's clearly more of a four. That's what they're playing him as. He's played some three so far. But there's another four. Then you have Christian mm-hmm. Wood, who I know he's playing center, but that's a bit of a four. And then you've got Markeith Morris, who that's a four. You don't need Julius Randle. No. Do not go through with this trade. I I would be heartbroken. I would be devastated. All my faith would be gone. This is not a trade that brings any sort of value, in my opinion, to the Pistons. Now, if you get Nick Lina and Dennis Smith Jr. I, and I Julius like, Randle, would that kill your confidence in the front office? Yes. It okay. just doesn't make it, sense to take on It doesn't make sense to take on Julius Randle. It just does not make sense. To, I mean, Dennis Smith Jr., I don't know. Like like Aaron said, in Dallas he showed flashes, and it was exciting. That was a guy you were excited about. You're like, oh, he just needs some time. It's just going to keep building and building. And then he got to New York, and now it's just like, eh, he's take a flyer on him type of guy. Okay, so what? what is Dennis Smith Jr. at this right. point? Who knows? Neil Aquina, he's taking time. He's starting to come around. Um, but he's not that top ten pick that he was, it seems like. Okay, so you're taking a flyer on him, hoping he finds his value, finds his worth, and then you're taking on Julius Randle? The other concern I have with trading for two point guards is I'm looking at this draft class, and I'm looking at Detroit taking a point guard. Do you want to have Bruce Brown, Derrick Rose, Frank Kalina, and Dennis Smith Jr. that all can play point guard? And then go to the draft and be like, well, we already have four point guards on the roster. We can't take Killian Hayes. We can't take Tyrese Maxey. We can't take uh, Nico Mannion. We can't take one of these exciting young point guards in the draft because we already have four guys that could play point guard if we need them to. I just I don't know what the perfect solution is. I think if there was a perfect solution, a trade would already have been done. But New York doesn't seem like they're going to be the right partner for Detroit. They don't, and it's something we mentioned a few weeks ago back on the podcast, and that I, you're just not going to get the value you think Andre Drummond's worth. Right. When the trade does come, because I do think it's inevitable. Maybe it's not, but I think it is. I don't think everyone's really going to be, what a great return. I think it's going to be more of, eh, and then the big Andre stands are going to be, should have kept him, should have kept him, this is worthless. I It's... It's not going to be the greatest value trade. No. You're not going to get that great return you're looking for. No, I agree. And I think you're starting to just see that now with 
the Hawks, you talked about Ian Bagley, came out and reported that they're a little more interested in Steven Adams, and that would be their preference rather than acquiring Andre Drummond. Or the fact that Andre Drummond could have already been had by the Atlanta Hawks, that a deal would have went through if the Hawks were willing to really give up a first-round pick. So clearly they're not even willing to... Not even really willing to move assets, right? To get, and I get Stephen Adams is more what they're looking for, but they could have had Andre Drummond, and they they're not they're playing they're lowballing the Pistons essentially, and they're not budging. There's no negotiation, it seems, if they're not willing to give up an asset. Yeah. So, what's that say about the market for them? the Pistons? Have to, in this case, if the market's dry right now, they have to hold out, and they have to hold out to the to the point where. They hope a team gets desperate enough as the trade deadline gets closer that they decide to pull the trigger the, the problem, or you hold on to them. The problem is the teams that Detroit's linked to, they're either bad enough that they don't need to get Drummond right now or they're good enough that they aren't going to... Nothing shows that they're going to get desperate enough to make a move. Toronto's not going to get desperate enough to make a move. Boston's not going to get desperate enough to make a move. You know, Charlotte, are, are they, they might be the only one because they're kind of, you know, right in that, uh, what are they, ninth or 10th place right now in the East. Drake could help push them into the playoffs. If that's their, if their initiative is, hey, we want to get in the playoffs and show Dre that Charlotte can be a place for him to be long term, then maybe Charlotte is the team. But, I mean, Cleveland's not good enough to go out and be like, oh, yeah, we need to get Dre. Unless if John Beeline's like, I need another veteran in this locker room that can help these young guys just kind of culminate and come together. It's – they're not going to make a move. I'll say this. I would not look past the Boston Celtics. They need to continue to move forward with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown on the wing. They also have Gordon Hayward. Now, Gord, trading for Gordon Hayward kind of goes against what I've kind of talked about. Oh, well, you're getting a player that doesn't help you in your rebuild. But, one, I think you would still be able to get a pick back in that deal. Because the contract of Hayward's is a player option that, you know, he can either decline or accept it for the offseason. But you can still get that Memphis pick, I, I would think. Or another pick later in the first round. Because you can give Drummond, and then you can also throw in Langston Galloway in that deal. And then that really helps Boston. Because one, that gets them the center that they desperately need. And it shores up what they're losing a little bit in Gordon Hayward on the wing. It provides some shooting. It provides some bench depth. And that allows Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum to have the wings to themselves. And there's not this, well, we, Gordon's got to get some of these minutes at the three. We got to get Jalen some of the minutes at the three. We got to get Jason some of the minutes at the three. And then the other guys are going to have to play some two, some four, or they're going to be on the bench. It just allows the wings to be Tatum and Brown. And then you plug in Drummond at the five, Kemba at the one. Another reason that Boston should be trading for uh, Drummond is because of the relationship that Drummond has with Kemba. And then, you know, you have... Guys like Langston Galloway and Marcus Smart and Daniel Tice off the bench, and you go from there. But that those first four guys, that looks really, really good. And then, you know, uh, you put Smart in the lineup, whoever, you go from there. And to the point about Kemba Walker, and then back to Brendan's point about Charlotte, if Charlotte was truly desperate and wanted Andre Drummond, wouldn't they have done it while Kemba Walker was there to try to convince Kemba Walker to stay that, hey, we're making moves, we're bringing in better 
more elite players to keep you here so we can compete. It would have made sense. Would have made sense, have made but sense, but I don't, sense I don't to do it then. I don't know if Charlotte's front office is all that smart because they lowballed Kemba in the offseason. When, when Kemba was interested in re-upping, they lowballed him, and then that's when he decided to leave. I don't think Charlotte really knows what they truly want to do. I think Michael Jordan puts his hand in the pot a little bit too much over there as they try to create a balancing act of kind of what the Pistons are doing, trying to win but staying young. So, I, I mean, I do think Boston would be a good suitor for Drummond, truly. So, so if you're Detroit, Aaron, you said it, you just kind of have to hold out. You don't pull the trigger too quick. Um, there's also a report that came out, you know, on Bleach Report surrounding Derrick Rose and uh, Eric Pincus saying that Detroit will not trade Derrick Rose unless if he asks to be traded. Of course, Arn Tellum, the former agent of Derrick Rose, and they have a very strong relationship. That's a big reason why Derrick Rose signed in Detroit. And the Pistons are not going to move him unless if he specifically asks to be moved. Um, how do we feel about that? Because to me, it's almost disappointing when you look, wow, Derek's put up 20-plus points, five straight games. Somebody would be willing to give something for Derrick Rose, and it again would allow you, whether it means Jordan Bone gets to come up to Detroit and play some backup point guard minutes, uh, whatever the case is, or if it's just another emphasis of we are just moving forward from what this roster currently looks like. It would be, to me, just refreshing to move on, even though I like D-Rose. But D-Rose looks like he's staying as a Piston. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of that report. I've been steadfast in saying that if the Pistons can get a first-round pick for Derrick Rose, which seems likely given how well he has played uh, throughout the year, that they should absolutely be, be trading him. And, again, like a team would give up a first-round pick for Derrick Rose. With how well he's playing, getting to the paint, you know he's he's playing some more minutes lately. He's been on the court healthy lately. You know he's played really good basketball this year, and, and, and he would help a winning team mightily. I mean, there's you know four or five teams just off the top of my head that could really use a guy like Derrick Rose, and are trying to win. Yeah. So it, it just it's kind of frustrating that that is the decision that Detroit is going to make because it should be about bringing in assets. It should be about stockpiling assets, stockpiling, stock, stockpiling players for the future. And I get you can't have a roster, a full roster of 19, 20, 21-year-olds, but if you can get picks and you can have veterans on lower-end contracts, it's just it's what makes sense when you're rebuilding. Mm-hmm. And I get Derrick Rose is a good player. He's been fantastic this year. But it would just make all the sense in the world for a team that doesn't have a ton of assets to trade one of their most valuable players to go get said assets. It doesn't make sense to me. That whole report, you're not going to trade Derrick Rose unless he asks. I get maybe no deal comes through that you really like. Hey, we ended up not trading him. That's one thing. Right. But we're just not trading him unless he asks. And I get I honestly I love Derrick Rose. He's been awesome. And it has been really fun to watch. And it's really upsetting that we couldn't get a healthy Blake and an in the zone Andre Drummond and an ascending Luke Kennard to go along with this playing very well 
Derrick Rose. This could be a very solid team right now. If you would have told me before the season started, this is how Derrick Rose was playing, I'd be like, oh, I think the Pistons are kind of cruising right now. But they're not. And the fact that they're not, they w- aren't willing, unless he asks, to move on from him, to get the assets, and what is true, what this, the direction this team truly needs to take is very, it, it's disheartening. Yeah. It doesn't take my faith in the front office away, but it's disheartening. Because I get, they probably sold him on his relationship with Arn Talum. That was a big selling piece, obviously, and I get it. And you don't, you don't want to do wrong by, by a guy. And I get all of that. That's not, I get it. But the fact that this team is just not there. They're just not there right now. Yeah. And trading him, and you can get a first round pick from him. Absolutely. That's his worth. There's teams going for it right now that will give up a strong asset for him, and you can land you can land a solid first round pick for him. Absolutely. And they're not going to make that move. Really frustrating. Because the other part of that report is they still think they can win next year. What what's going on? What are we doing here? Are we in rebuild mode, or are we trying to win next year? What are we doing? That's a great question. Because the Pistons still think they can win. Well, yeah, you go out and you make a trade with Boston. You bring in Gordon Hayward. And you're starting D Rose, Gordon Hayward, Blake Griffin next year. That to me looks like you're just trying to win, and you're kind of hanging in the middle again, and you have not stepped forward at all. Three guys with major injury concerns. Awesome. We're just replaying the hits. Just replaying the hits. That would be doing the same thing you did this year. Exactly. And we have seen how with that played promise. out. Yeah, with less promise. Yeah, just play the hits, boys. Injury-prone players, star, stars who are injury-prone, who have lost a step. Take us to the promised land. Because you know what else that means? The Seku is probably not in that starting lineup either. Obviously not. not he's coming the, off the bench. Not at the three or four. Yeah. So unless he's becoming a small ball five, uh, yeah, not looking too promising for him in that. But, uh, yeah, that's just not It's just not very uh, encouraging. No. I, I, I've been tossing back and forth the idea of holding on to Blake and letting him just be that that constant throughout the rebuild, that veteran. The Kevin Love. The Kevin Love that hopefully doesn't get disgruntled as hell uh, like Love is in Cleveland. But, you know, if that's what Blake wants to do, fine. But, I mean, right now it's not like the Pistons could could trade him anyways, whether he wanted it or or the Pistons wanted to, because no one's going to take a guy that's out for the rest of the season. Mm -hmm. I mean, it just wouldn't make any sense in, in the universe to do that. So... Blake's going to be on this roster to start next season. And I hope that's not why the Pistons think they can go out and win next year. Because because of Blake Griffin being out for us this year and them having to hold on to him, I hope that's not a scapegoat for them into believing that they need to try again next year to win, even if it's retooling the roster. Because it's just not a good decision. It's how, not. How many more years does Hayward have under contract? Well, he's he's got this he's got year. that player, got player option. option. That's right. So, so wait, is it this year and then after this year he his option hits, or is it this year and then next year? No, he's on the same deal as Dre. So yeah. at the end of this year, his option hits. That's right. Okay, so I mean, he why would he come back to Detroit next year? Why wouldn't he decline his option? I don't know. I mean, I, that's why. That's, that's why that's, I think that trade I, would make sense for Detroit. It didn't even cross my mind that he would accept his player option in these trade talks. Like right now, just now, we were talking about. D. Rose, Gordon Hayward, and Blake Griffin. And I'm sitting over here in my mind thinking, why are we talking about Gordon Hayward? He's not picking up that player option to stay here. I, I mean, I don't think so. 
I don't, I don't either. So. Unless the deal we... just with Boston would make sense because you throw in Galloway and Drummond and Galloway is enough to get a first round pick and Hayward, and that's the matching salaries. You know, yeah. Hayward would have to be involved because you have to match salaries. Yeah. Um. So that's why Hayward would come back and to then... Detroit, and I mean, if Hayward accepts the player option, I I, I would never bet on that, but. That's that's a whole other story. I guess Detroit has to consider it's another avenue because then that kind of locks in your three four next year unless Blake's not ready to go at the beginning of the season. Yeah, or, or you play Hayward at the two. I don't know. Don't know. Just like it's it's a, it's a thought you got to have. I mean, I mean, it's interesting. But my whole thought was honestly, I would do that trade with Boston for the cap space at the end of this year. Yeah, and I get we're not bringing in anyone major, but I'm. I'm on the side of we need the flexibility. Yes. For what could come yes. down the road in trades, yes. in possible free agency, yes. if Seku's great, and if Detroit hits on this draft pick, right. the type of calf flexibility, well, and re-signing and guys like Luke and Bruce, getting Seku his money, finding a trade partner that you're not worried about all this money, or maybe a free agent where you do have the room to give the money and they are interested, that's where my thought process was, not... Oh, next year we're going for it with D Rose, Gordon Hayward, and Blake Griffin because it didn't even cross my mind because that Hayward would think pick about up the players. Think about how how unlucky Detroit is. Hayward would come here, get hurt, accept the option to be able to have a guaranteed contract next up. year, and then guess what? That's what we're stuck with. I know. I mean, that is very much Detroit and the I way t- things are going in this city, sports wise. Yeah. I mean, oh wow! That's he tough. comes here, strikes a great friendship with D Rose and Blake Griffin. Says, "Yeah, what the heck? Let's do it. Let's go for it, boys!" Gosh, play the hits, play those Motown oh hits. Oh my god! <laughs> the next throwback station in Detroit—it's called the Detroit Pistons. Yikes! Um, Just play them. I, I don't even know where to go from here. Well, we got to we got to hit got to hit the other trade talks to the couple other players on the Pistons roster. Oh, there's Luke Kennard with Philadelphia and Langston Galloway. Yeah, and. That report, you know, coming out, Keith Pompey saying that uh, he's of the Philadelphia Inquirer. He says that the Sixers are interested in both Luke and Langston. And and this is a conversation we were having off air before the podcast. The lack of value that people are putting on Luke Kennard is egregious. Oh, it's absurd. Unbelievable. And there's three adjectives for you guys. It's (laughs) terrible. It's on. Nobody around the league outside of Detroit seemingly values Luke Kennard, and it's a joke. A joke. This is a player that's averaging career highs across the board in points, rebounds, assists per game, maintaining his shooting efficiency, showing uh, significant growth as a playmaker. He's been adequate defensively, which you haven't been able to say, uh, you know, in his first two years in the league. And a guy that, when was playing, a huge part of Detroit's offense, and they were obviously competing when Kennard was on the court and obviously once Kennard has come off the court the Pistons have really suffered uh, but that's a really good player and a guy that has come into his own in year three that people are just you know believing that they can swindle from from the Pistons and just it's it's unbelievable and that, that's a point real quick I want to make Blake Griffin and Luke Kennard went down around the same time yeah and it's Blake Griffin going down Honestly, is not the reason this team has gone down. This team lost Luke Kennard, and they lost their way. Yes. He brings so much value to this team. It's, it's, I, honestly, it's a little shocking. Because I said I thought he was going to have start that ascending year, and he's going to show why he is worthy of being that number 12 pick, 
whatever it is before the season. But wow, this team has fallen apart without Luke Kennard. Fallen apart without him. And the fact that there seems to be no respect and no value given to him around the league, just absurd. And I laugh in your face if you don't have any value for him. Yeah, well, and it's just a standpoint of people don't know. People don't pay attention. It's just And I get Detroit. Twitter, it's, it's, it's Twitter. It's Twitter heroes. It is. And I get it. Detroit is just that, oh, who cares? Just dump whatever with them because it doesn't matter. That waste, one of those wasteland franchises in the NBA will just take their talent and who cares what they get back? Just give them a second round pick. It doesn't matter. Like, like, Detroit's not a team trying to win or trying to do anything. It's just only four or five teams around the league who matter. I get that. I get that that's the attitude, but my God. It's get just, out of here with your nonsense. Kennard right now is a foundational piece for the Pistons. And, you know, when you look at the Pistons' rebuild, it starts with Luke Kennard and Sekou Dumboya. Literally, your pieces going forward right now, you have your two in Luke Kennard, and you have your four and um, three at times in Sekou Dumboya. That's yeah. your future going forward. Like you already have two of your pieces, and then, right? And then you know, obviously, it's the rest of the guys that the Pistons are working with: Bruce Brown, Jordan Bone, Lewis King, Christian Wood. Like, but those guys are all kind of still question marks. Like the two guys you know that are, are you you know, right. if you're going into a rebuild, are what you're starting your rebuild with are Luke Kennard and Saquon Boya, and mm-hmm. people thinking they're going to get Luke Kennard for Romeo Langford and like the thirtieth pick in the first round get, are just absurd. It's it's yeah, it's just, insulting. Shut the fuck up. I just when I Twitter doesn't matter and Twitter's a joke. Like we're all a joke. I'm a joke, you're a joke, you're it's all a joke, dude. Twitter is pathetic. But seeing the trades on there, it's just so bizarre and it gets frustrating to a point. Like it shouldn't bother anyone because people on Twitter are just right. the trades you see are so dumb. That's why none of us are, literally, us included on this podcast, that's why none of us are in front office, because we can't put a trade together. These trades you see are a joke. It's insane. It, it, makes, me, insane. it makes me angry, if you can't tell. Luke's basically, he's basically averaging 16, 15.8 a game, 4 assists, shooting 44% from the field. It's like, to just put no value on that, you know, while shooting 39% from 3, 39.9, so basically 40% from three. I mean, come on. For, Stop it. For the right price, are you moving him? I'm I'm not saying I won't move him. Luke is not, uh, to, to what we've seen, Luke appears to be like he can be a good shooting guard, but he also appears that with the right piece, somebody else can come in and be just as valuable at that position. He's not a Seku right now, where you see potential legit athlete, legit like potential star. Like Seku has the upside to potentially be a star. Whereas Luke has the upside it appears to be as kind of what we said. A very nice complimentary piece. If he was a much better defender with the way he plays offense, I'd be like, dude, he's Clay Thompson. Like, get out of here. But he's not an elite defender. He's gotten better, but he's not an elite defender. So um, for the right price, yes. I don't know what that right price is, though. Again, yeah, why I'm yeah, not in the front it's, office. It's yeah. tough to really put a value on Luke Kennard because you do see how good of a player he is. But for the right piece, you do move him. Yes. Sekou's the only untouchable. Agreed. Yeah. He's the only untouchable. But there's more value. Like, hey, perfect. You you don't really know the value of Luke Kennard, but there is a good reasonably high value there if somebody gives you 
something that you see as beyond Luke Kennard's value, then you take it. If you're questioning whether that's a fair trade, if you're questioning whether you're getting your value, you just don't even consider it. You know? I agree. It, it's, if it's If you feel like it's a home run, if the offer presented to you and you look at it and you're like, yes, Luke, then okay. Luke, Luke Langston and whatever else you got to do to match the salary for Tobias. Whoa. Settle am down I, there. Am I, uh, Settle down I know there. there's a lot of Tobias <laughs> love in Pistons Twitter and Pistons fandom. I just I'm, had I'm, to get the reaction. I'm good with... No. I'm, I'm, I would not... I'm okay with so I, I just knows, had to get that reaction. So everyone knows. Uh, Philadelphia 76ers Twitter's not been a big fan of Tobias Harris this year. And this allows me to make a point that goes back to when the Pistons traded for Blake Griffin. And there was a sack of people... That said... A sect. I said a sect. You said a sect. No, I, I said sect. A sect of Did people... you say sex? I said a sect. <laughs> there was a sect of people <laughs> that believed that the Clippers won that trade because Tobias Harris was better than Blake Griffin. And what I said and what some other people said were, you will not be saying that when he signs that contract extension... And he's making the same amount of money Blake Griffin's making. And as soon as Tobias Harris signed his contract extension, everyone turned on him. Everyone's like, oh, this guy's not very good. He can score the ball, but doesn't do anything else. And it's just like, I told you this was going to happen. Everyone wants these players to get paid. But as soon as they get paid, their opinions change. And if they're making $180 million, they better be damn near perfect, or they're an awful player. And it's all changed on Tobias Harris, who went from, oh, he's this undervalued, really good player. He's a great scorer, uber efficient, grown as a defender, even does some playmaking, rebounds well for his size. Signs that extension, all the opinions flip. I don't know what it is. We cannot compartmentalize, and we cannot put into just what value is as human beings uh-huh we know what a guy is we know what market value is mm-hmm. and when he goes and signs market value we immediately expect him to be yeah. lebron james and you see this in every sport i mean every it, it's sport. not if the nba it's a problem but it's across the board i mean look at quarterbacks in the nfl you know it's the same exact conversation Ser- no seriously you you know what he is he's p- playing on his you know 10 million dollar a year deal yep Wow, this guy is worth $25, 30000000 million. He goes and signs $30 million, continues that same level production, yep. level play, maybe even makes it a little better. Immediately we lose our mind that he's not LeBron James. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that's every guy who signs a deal. Yep. We, we, can't, we can't put it into perspective. on what like We know what this guy is. We know what market value is. We, we can't connect the two for some reason. It's always the second someone signs that deal, they're trash. Right. Because they're not averaging 40, 15, and 12. Right. With outrageous, just out advanced statistics, all of it is being, you know, perfect. Like, we can't put it in perspective. It's unbelievable. It's, yeah, you're, you're right. Sorry. We just, I just had to, had to, had to fit that in. Ryan helped summarize it up. Like it just needed to be said once we once you once you got into your Tobias Harris thing, Brendan, it just opened up the door. After, it opened up the door after seeing a couple of the Tobias trades that were put out on Twitter and the uh, reactions, which were not so friendly. 
uh, to them, I just had to I had to make a reference to it. Sure. I had to get sure. the reaction. I want to hit on one other thing because I know we're planning on wrapping the, the, uh, this episode up soon here. Who said that? But let's you you talked about at the beginning of the show, and I know I didn't put this on uh, the overview for the for this episode. But let's talk about Seikunu Boy. I know you said we weren't going to really talk about a ton of what's been going on on the court, but well, we Seikunu's been Seiku. in the starting lineup. He's got what five five or so games under his belt as a starter, maybe six now. What are our impressions of him so far? That this guy, as long as he continues on this trajectory, is going to be a star. Honestly. He's young. He's still learning. Obviously still learning. He's making a lot of rookie mistakes. He's over-aggressive on defense. He's still learning his way. He's still learning the game. Things we talked about, you know, podcasts ago. How he started playing basketball when he's twelve, when he was 12. So he's still learning the game. He's still growing into what he is. Learning what his game truly is. But if he continues on the trajectory he's on right now with what he's showing, this guy is a future star. So I'm going to get two things here. One, you talked about Sekou's over-aggressiveness. It was, I think it might have been one of the Cleveland games where Sekou was in foul trouble, and he had to come out a couple times because he picked up his third foul in the second quarter, picked up his fourth foul in the third quarter, I think. Something along those lines. And I tweeted about how Sekou's got to learn when it's the right time to be aggressive so he's not picking up all these fouls. And I had multiple people come into my timeline and say it was okay that Sekou was doing that. In what world is it okay to foul to the point where you can't be on the court. It's good that he's out there and he's making you know mistakes and learning from them, but he also needs to be on the court to be able to learn from mistakes. I was just kind of like, how are people saying that following is a good thing? Because that's what I was being told. But also, Sekou, the, the, the stats for him, I don't think this year, are going to look all that stellar. They're not. I really don't. They won't. No. But I think it's the flashes but, that he shows. But the plays he makes with the ball in his hand against the Chicago Bulls, he had a really nice crossover, took it to the cup, drew the contact, scored, and was fouled. He already has a murder in the league. He killed Tristan Thompson. He shoot. He's made some three pointers. You know, he's showing that the shot form looks good. They're not all falling, but you know, he's, you know, he was he made it one against the Bulls. He made a couple against the Cavs. He had that one game where he went, he went four or seven from the three point line. I think that was against the Lakers or the Clippers. He's showing the shots there. It's the flashes. It's the stuff that gets you excited for that when he gets these months under his belt and gets these games under his belt. Next year he's gonna be like, okay, I learned last year I don't need to do that. I learned last year that I don't need to come up above the three-point line with five seconds on the shot clock and crowd a poor shooter just to follow them. Real quick, and it's something that's a very good point, and it's something I think Tim McCormick said on the on a broadcast at some point. It might have been him or uh, I think it was Tim. I can't remember who it was. Saying it comes with film study. It'll come with an off-season under his belt now. Mm-hmm. It'll come with him studying the film, seeing what guys' tendencies are. He doesn't know what anyone's tendencies are, te- really, in this league right now. He's just playing to play. And that that's a so that's a great point you bring up is, I don't need to crowd this guy with five seconds left because he's not a great shooter. You, I can just get my hand up and let him pull because there's a good chance he misses. Like It's things like that. Mm-hmm. It's when the film stomach, film study comes in is when you'll see another step. But continue on, Aaron. I'm sorry. I just Well, I'm just going to wrap up with this. I'm going to wrap up with this. I'm just really excited to see Seku get on the court with a healthy Luke Kennard. I really want to start seeing it's what those two look like together. Yes. I want to see if, you know, the th- what the, the net rating of a three-man group of Bruce Brown, Luke Kennard, and Seku looks like, what happens when Christian Woods in that unit. I want to see these young lineups, some of these guys to build with moving forward look like. And, and 
Luke Kennard and Seiko. I just I'm excited to see the the relationship, the chemistry that those two guys can have on the court together. Especially after what we just talked about, how they're the two cornerstones of the future right now. Well, and you look at Seiko, his numbers since being a starter, he's averaging twelve points a game, five rebounds a game, and he's shooting forty seven percent from the field. I mean you talked about the stats not looking all that great, and it's because he played seven games prior to this last six game stretch where you know he he was getting in and he played for a couple minutes. You know maybe he had a field goal or whatever. wasn't shooting He's shooting forty five percent from the field on the over the course of the year, but forty seven percent in the stretch of the last six games uh, where he's been in the starting lineup and really contributing. So, um, you know, for Seku. He's providing just a, a sense of positive reinforcement for this team. He's a reason to watch. And also, hey, peep the lock screen here, folks. That's uh, peep, that's a little peep, safe. Peep the lock screen here, Ryan. Folks. Can we go three no, for three? we're not oh, three for wow. three, guys. We're not three for three. I'm a grown man. I don't put that on my lock screen, but so be what? it. Seku's nuts. I mean, it's a beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing, but that is not my lock screen. I mean, look at Tristan Thompson's hand on this. Go back and watch that poster. Look at Tristan Thompson's hand. Look where it's at. I mean, he's just like, all right, Jesus, God, give Brendan. me some. That's, relax, relax. I mean, it's a little intense. Wow, it okay. is an intense picture. I'm, I mean, it's a great picture. That. That will live forever. Yes. I mean, that will live forever. Whether Seku's a bust or he's a star, that that's will an, live That's forever. an image in the NBA forever. Like, that's... that's. I don't get too hyped, you know, watching NBA games. Like, uh-huh. everything keeps me pretty even keel. When I watch that, I, like, jumped off the off my chair, out of my seat. I was juiced like I was in the game, dude. That's how good that dunk was. That's going to go down as the dunk of... This is when we knew. This is or when we knew. This is going to go down as the dunk of what could have been. Oh geez, don't don't do that. I'm going with this is what <laughs> when, when we knew. I'm I'm just saying like couple, it's one of those two things. Couple other stats on Dumboya. Uh in his sixth game that he started on 3.3 attempts per game, 40% from beyond the arc, and he's a plus mi- plus minus a positive 3.3 net rating uh when he's been a starter. So he has been a valuable player for the Pistons and that's for a guy that we talked about multiple times back in the offseason and back at the beginning of this year of, he's probably not going to see the floor a lot this year. He's probably a year or two away from really getting minutes. For him being one of the few positive players on a Pistons roster that continues to lose games to bad teams, what does that tell you? Oh, this dude's pretty good, and he's, he's he can do he can do this right now. Yeah, it's exciting. And can I, one final thing that might take us for another couple minutes, and I'm sorry, boys, but... I want to go back to one more point you brought up, Aaron, and that was the conundrum at point guard. And if if you trade with the Knicks and having a loaded point guard, a loaded group at the point guard position, because I think right now I had someone who I liked in this draft, and I still do like him. Um, but I I have another, and I'm all about a little French Revolution with Killian. Yes, Hayes. yes, yes. I'm yes, very yes. much about it. Yes. And I'm very much on board with that being the point guard of the future if you can get the right pick, you know, in the right area, and he's still yes. there. Yes. I mean, I've already started thinking about what Killian Hayes and Luke Kennard could do. You know, that, that with Killian Hayes' passing abilities and Luke's just uh, being a knockdown shooter, you have the threat of Dumboya. Like, there's just something there that really excites me. I think definitely Hayes is uh, not a finished prospect. And there's some stuff that we need to see out of him still. 
But some of the natural abilities that he's shown, specifically passing the ball, and with the size that he has at 6'4", 6'5", that's really exciting to That's me. another 18-year-old prospect. Fits right in with the timeline of Seku. Yeah. I'm, I'm very much on board with that. So uh, another reason to not crowd your backcourt. And trade Derrick Rose. And, tra- and trade Derrick Rose. I very much like the idea of that going forward in the future. Could be good stuff, boys. Could be good stuff. Could be. That's the big thing. Could be. We'll see. It's all about we're, what we're still trying to win. Does. We're still trying to win. Yeah. D. Rose, Gordon Hayward, Blake Griffin, all in your starting lineup next uh, <laughs> next season. Have fun. Ugh. Wow, we fit a lot into this podcast. We fit you. a lot. It was going to kind of be like a, a fan GM mode podcast. Like... We're just talking the reports. We're talking the trade rumors. We're talking what the Pistons could do, should do, whatever. Um, I had a good time. I did too. I did too. It was good to be back this week. We missed you last week. We did. Yeah. We could have used your opinion on some stuff. Me and Brian talking Last week was the type of pod I wanted to be on. We couldn't make it work, and that's unfortunate. But, hey, back this week, and it was another, another, another area I like to speak on. So, so we're good. We're good. But with that being said, before you go, don't forget, like, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast, uh, SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube, uh, Podbean, Stitcher, of course on iTunes. So, uh, so many great places to uh, check out the pod and let people know about it. This is going to give you a real good insight as to where the Pistons stand on things. We're giving you the real reports. We're not throwing out these random trade generator uh as lead trades and lead reports we're giving you the real stuff in one organized spot so appreciate you tuning in this week of course again you can follow us on twitter uh, where you can see all of the latest reports and tweets from our uh, twitter account at palace of pistons you can check out the website palaceofpistons.com um, on twitter you can follow for our personal takes aaron at a johnson nba ryan at ryan pay Myself, it's a new handle from what it was previously. It's at DLS Coach B. Um, for those that don't know, as a high school basketball coach, that's where the switch of Twitter handle uh, has come from. So be sure to check it out. Give us a follow. Let us know your thoughts. We'd love to hear from you. It's going to be an exciting time uh, here on the Palace of Pistons podcast as we approach the trade deadline. And, boys, we're approaching episode number 100 of the Palace of Pistons podcast. So a lot of great stuff to come in the coming weeks. So with that being said, make sure you follow along. It's going to be a great ride, and we'll see you next time here on the Palace of Pistons podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.